You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We um, are very glad to be here, and this will, I think, officially be our last broadcast of the year, although you can listen to our podcasts anytime, and feel free to look them up on YouTube or on um, wherever you source your podcasts under Detailing Addiction with Dr. Susan Blank. This one today, I thought we would revisit some of the topics that have been hot topics for us this year and look at addiction in the news. So um, thanks for being here, and let's jump in with some good news coming out of Washington, D.C. So that doesn't happen very often, particularly not recently, but um, Congress is now considering a... Uh, addition to a bill, a, f- a government funding bill, that should pass by the end of this week here in December t- 2019. That would n- raise the federal age for the use of any tobacco products or nicotine products to the age 21. This has bipartisan support from uh, both Republicans and Democrats. There's support in both the House and the Senate for this bill. And it's one that I think is probably not going to do as much as we would like, but certainly raises the awareness that addiction starts very early and that if we can keep people from starting smoking, we may have some impact on their lifelong health and certainly on their development of other addictions. But that that does not include the vape? It does. Oh, it does include vape. Yes. That's good. It would make it illegal. Or the, well, <laughs> let passes. me just say, the language currently, as of today, is that it's Ill, it would be illegal for anyone under the age of 21 to purchase vape products and e-cigarettes, as well as the more traditional tobacco products. Um, and this would also uh, have an effect on the ability to advertise and market these products and would have um, where it falls a little short is exactly what kinds of penalties will be associated. That's still being determined. But um, this uh, certainly has, uh, even President Trump said that he would support increasing the legal age to buy any kind of nicotine or tobacco product to age 21. Because... Just recently, and and this w- last week, and I was going to bring this up on on the show. Um, I heard several more commercials for pods, pods. Yes. And now they're using if you're going out for a girls' weekend, if you're. So they were really implying and really th- uh, throwing out there that. Women should start using them because you you know generally you you think of chewing tobacco or smokeless any kind tobacco. of a smokeless mm-hmm. tobacco as a male product, but they're really pushing for um, females to use this. Type and of thing. so in that one, they're really pushing for the younger women, yes, who are more concerned about appetite suppression and their their figures. 
at that point. So they're pushing the nicotine towards women who are going to use that as a as a weight loss. Right, and they they're calling it a nicotine product product. I was actually. Right. Tobacco product. Rather than tobacco, because currently the FDA has banned advertising of tobacco products, particularly uh, only under certain circumstances. But the nicotine has been able to escape, as have all the vaping products, been able to escape the FDA's oversight and regulation, mostly because the FDA caved to a lot of pressure from the... um, vaping retail outlets as well as manufacturers. And so they caved and pulled back their decision to begin regulation of these products. And uh, this bill will change all that. It will now put everything back under the FDA to regulate the products, regulate the advertising, regulate... um, Different things like the flavoring, uh, different things like the um, the types of products that will be available. So there will be hopefully some more consistent regulation as well as keeping them to some degree out of the hands of young people. And, you know, it's, it's I don't know whether it is or not, but... And I know that this would just blanket or bring something along, but um, it's too bad that they didn't add CBD products or <laughs> right. um, hemp because it's such a it's such a jump from one to the other. It's easy. It's right. an easy transition. Absolutely. And in fact, there was a study just released today in the Journal of Prevent Preventive Medicine, the American Journal of Prevent. Preventive medicine that was looking at um, this whole vaping situation, the vaping including marijuana, and was looking at a comparison of the use of e cigarettes and tobacco products, regular tobacco more mm-hmm. familiar tobacco products and they were traditional smokers traditional products. smoking or smokeless tobacco products <laughs> we <laughs> we've got so many descriptors going on i'm getting confused um but this study was looking at the fact that you you have a 30 times increased risk of developing lung disease like chronic obstructive pulmonary disease copd or emphysema other lung diseases if you use both products so if you combine the use of vaping or e-cigarettes at, along with the use of traditional tobacco products, you increase your risk substantially of having problems related to the uh, lung diseases. Well, and, and those for the vaping are very, very high just on their own. Correct. Correct. So the vaping itself, this um, report talked about causing the actual um, process of vaping because you're heating these chemicals as well as the nicotine product or marijuana product to such high temperatures that it is causing burns, chemical burns to the lungs. So that's one of the issues that it causes. There are toxic metals that are now 
causing scar tissue within the lungs because, again, they're burning and scarring the lungs. And then, of course, the vitamin E oil, which is clogging the lungs, particularly when it's overheated. It's clogging the small alveoli, the little air sacs, where we actually exchange oxygen. As well as, as well as causing the lungs to go into an immune reaction where they begin attacking that and also attacking themselves. So it's a very complicated so this is, process. This is the part that's to do with the recent, within the last six months, all these deaths and mm-hmm. illnesses that, that are But it's been interesting quickly. since the, the deaths began happening... Um, there's been a, a lot more ER physicians talking about the number of lung that they've been treating that injuries, mm-hmm. lung injuries they they've been treating that weren't necessarily being recognized as this at the time. But before we leave the last article, I just really wanted to emphasize. I mean, if this law does pass and that is raised, that is a, a, a major plus because we definitely talk about that that. The younger somebody is exposed to Mm -hmm. um, smoking products and alcohol products and marijuana products, the greater the addiction potential and the the greater the difficulty they're going to have of stopping at some point. So even if this just keeps some people from being able to start smoking at age 12 is the standard age, and they have to wait until a little bit later, that is going to be a major benefit. The estimates... uh, in looking at this bill by agencies um, that are interested, uh, they estimate that maybe 12% decrease in adult tobacco use just by preventing the young kids from starting. From starting. So that would be a major, major thing. Now, the tobacco companies are probably certainly not going to take this lying down. And while they always apologize and say sorry, and that wasn't what we meant, and we weren't trying to do that, uh, I'm sure they're going to be fighting tooth and nail to avoid this kind of oversight. But I, um, I really do hope that our legislators all step up to the plate and sign this bill and make this happen. And I would urge our listeners to contact your congressmen, contact your senators, and ask them to please support this bill. They, uh, multiple states have already adopted this um, increased legal age to buy tobacco. Retailers like Walmart, Walgreens, and Rite Aid have also said they will no longer sell to customers under the age of 21 wish they would say they weren't going to sell it at all, but um, at least uh, we're getting that kind of support from um, from retailers. So um, shout-outs and thanks to our legislatures, um, Senator Mitt Romney of Utah, Todd Young of Idaho, um, Brian Schultz of, of Hawaii, uh, where they made this the law in 2015, and uh, Dick Durbin of Illinois, as well as Tim Kaine of Virginia. And even Mitch McConnell is supportive of this particular um, bill. So we're very hopeful from a recovery standpoint that this will happen because I think, to your point, David, this can make a 
hopefully a big difference, and it raises awareness. It gives us an opportunity and a forum to talk about it. It allows families to have these discussions, schools, again, to have more renewed discussions, physicians, other groups to really take um, this question to hand and make sure that we're looking at the safety of our young people. So, that being said, the CDC also had come out with a study showing that now more than every um, one in four students in high school vape. This is such a disappointment, and we've been we've been following this vaping story uh, most of the year, and we will get to an update from the CDC in a, in a few minutes, but this study looking particularly at high school students, um, vaping has just become an epidemic again. Mm-hmm. Um, now 27.5% of high school students say they use e-cigarettes. Yes. And we had really gotten... It was down down. to the lowest level in history. Correct. Two two years ago? Three years ago? Three years ago. Yeah. And now... I was going to say, the problem is that of those 27% that are using e-cigarettes, I don't know how many, but there's a good majority that are going to make that jump really easily transition over to marijuana. Well, and part of the study was showing um, is that most of these people are using at least two different types of tobacco products right. or mm-hmm. nicotine products. So they're vaping and chewing, or they're vaping and smoking. Smoking. Um, and when you look at the the whole process of the whole thing, it makes sense because the the little vape jewel things are like seven, ten dollars, and then they can't get that, and they can get enough for. Um, a pack of chew. Or some uh, traditional cigarettes, and um, that becomes easier and cheaper. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the rate of use of vaping in middle school students. So please stay tuned. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. 
Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. This is Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today, David Donaldson and Michael Daly are with me from the Atlanta Healing Center, and we're talking about addiction in the news. Right before the break, we were looking at a CDC study regarding young people, particularly high school students, more than one in four, actually 27.5% reported vaping. But when they looked at the middle school kids, one in any, excuse me, one in 10 vape, according to this new study. And as it happens, um, these kids are starting with vaping, not the traditional tobacco cigarettes, which I think is really interesting. I'm not sure that they or probably even their parents and some adults around them understand that while they don't contain tobacco, they do contain nicotine, which is the addictive part of it. And this is the the part that's very concerning because with the e-cigarettes, they're able to get higher doses and concentrations of nicotine than they would normally be able to get from using traditional cigarettes or other smokeless tobacco products so they can get more nicotine they can use them more frequently because often the adults around them aren't aware of what they're doing and therefore they're getting very addicted to the nicotine which as we know if you get addicted as a child as a middle schooler it is very likely that you're going to go on to become a lifelong smoker and this is our and our struggle with addiction for the rest of your life correct correct part of what was actually sad for me reading this article in particular was that they said one glimmer of hope is that let me read this to you directly one glimmer of hope is that a new report found that almost 58 percent of current middle school and high school students who use tobacco products say they were seriously thinking about quitting all tobacco products within the next year so the idea that middle school students are using enough to even be thinking about quitting as opposed to i just tried it one or two times with my friend right you know or just used it once in the past year but to actually being at a point where they're seriously thinking about quitting 
Well, that's you're saying there's a glimmer of hope, but I'm not seeing that so much. No, the article is saying that's the glimmer of hope. That's oh, the glimmer I'm of reading, hope. I'm reading that as really as sad. That's that, very it's sad it's and very, depressing. Yeah, that the addiction is already that they are they are already hooked and they're already at a point where their brain is seriously contemplating maybe I need to quit one day. And I don't know what the statistic is, but from that point to actual quitting is a long time right. and many tries and many tries and what's interesting is that when the um, groups that study quitting tobacco or a quit attempt your attempt to quit smoking it is going without tobacco purposefully for more than 24 hours that's considering a quit attempt oh. so people that can only make it a couple of hours even though they're very serious about it that isn't considered a quit attempt so when you look at the data that says the usual seven to eight quit attempts for someone to actually have a successful extended period of not smoking the uh, they're really not including those other impulsive uh, attempts that are not as successful that they can't even make it 24 hours and and, and those studies and, and <laughs> those statistics are pretty much looking at people with traditional, Cigarettes, which have become the you know the pariah and the shame that people can't actually do anywhere. Right. So there's a lot of social stigma helping those people quit within seven times, whereas the the smokeless tobacco people and the vape, vaping that's become such a trendy thing, and the pouches that Michael was talking about that's becoming that the rise of that level of smoking is or that level of nicotine, nicotine use. use. Mm-hmm. Well, and I guess and we need new new um, verbs. Another another thing that that is interesting here is that um, with the nicotine use, there was so much misinformation marketed. You know, to mass markets where it was touted as this new product that's going to help you quit smoking. Right. Now, none of us knew that um, the the carrying agent or the agent that goes into your lungs was actually the deadly part of it or, you know, the the, the part that was going to get you. Um, and, you know, the, the people think of nicotine as, well, you use nicotine patches to quit, or you use a nicotine replacement. So this is just a nicotine replacement without the... Right. So we do have seven <coughs> FDA-approved medications or nicotine replacement for smoking cessation. That's not what these folks are using. And to your point, Michael, those are those agents are relatively safe and they're not increasing risk of damage to your lungs and your heart and other major organ systems exactly. like the, the use of vaping. And mm-hmm. we learn after the fact, as we always do, the unintended consequences that now people are dying from vaping at a much quicker rate than they would be dying from traditional cigarette use 
and they're having permanent lung damage that looks like someone who smoked for years and years at a very early age. And we'll again It'll be do interesting to see if, if they go after lawsuits to the vitamin E industry like <laughs> hard to go after vitamin E. <laughs> um, but I did want to just make one more point before we leave the study about the medical middle schools and high school students. When they actually looked at high school students, 5.8% or about 6% of high school students report using traditional cigarettes. The 27.5% are vaping. So when you actually look now at the students using any type of nicotine product, it's over 30%. One in three high school students are using nicotine products on a regular basis. When they look at middle school students, only 2.3%. So around 2% of medical students middle school students are smoking traditional cigarettes, but 10% are vaping. So this is now moving. We've got 4.7 million high school students using nicotine, all nicotine products, and 1.5 million middle school students. And as you mentioned earlier, David, this is the first time in you know, where we had had the decline and now we're having this rise. Mm -hmm. And this is heartbreaking because these kids are using at such a rate and high octane, if you will, nicotine products that um, their addiction is going to be high. um, With the the war on drugs that we've had and and the scheduling of chemicals that, that... we have a Schedule One for substances like heroin, right? right? That's got extreme addictive potential and no medical use. And nicotine itself, which is this is basically just a product to put nicotine in your system, right? Is the highest addictive potential, and there is zero medical use. So it's they're creating a product with the sole intention of creating addiction. Correct. With no other benefit. With no other benefit and no other reason. And 480,000 Americans died last year. It was really interesting. I was listening to a newscaster who was interviewing a physician talking about this law and, and the um, issues related to, to smoking and um, nicotine. And she kept saying, so why is it we allow smoking? Why is it that there's we allow the sale of tobacco and nicotine products? What is the reason for that? Why are we continuing to support Find ways this to industry? grow this market? Um, there was not an answer. There was a quick change of subject. She went back to it a couple of times, but unfortunately, it's the same thing <laughs> that you just said. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Well, we all know why we're doing this, unfortunately. So half a million Americans can die every year. We've known since 1965 that... Tobacco-related products are deadly. We've known 
for many, many years that nicotine is addictive, and yet here we are. But we do have a glimmer of hope. Please contact your congressman to ask them to support this bill. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about why women struggle much more with quitting smoking. Thanks for listening. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion? on America's Web Radio. Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. This is America's Web Radio. Today, Michael Daly and David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center are here helping me look at our year in review. As usual, um, we are spending a fair amount of time on tobacco and vaping because this has certainly been something that has been of interest to us individually and personally, but also very much in the news and some some good changes, some good studies that are being done, and and some additional legislation, which we are, fingers crossed, going to have this week on a national level, raising the age of legal legalized smoking to 21. So one of the things that has been of interest is the fact that 
women seem to struggle more with not smoking, have a harder time stopping smoking. And this has been a question for many years. Why is this the case? And why are we seeing more young women starting smoking? So I think the first question is, why are they starting? And there's a number of reasons um, that many women talk about starting smoking. One of them has to do with weight gain. And it really kind of hits the exact same thing that Micah was talking about in that commercial, gearing towards young women who are getting ready to go out, that the use of, of these products helps as an appetite suppressant, mm-hmm. and it also helps as something to take care of the oral fixations, Right, um, and it helps to decrease all the social anxiety initially um, when they're preparing for a social situation. So keeping them from from eating, um, keeping them... um, From being anxious. From being anxious and feeling like they're in better shape, sort of. So that is... um, There's a couple of substances that we see young women gravitate towards because of the effect on weight. Um, Certainly stimulants, certainly we see mothers who are taking their kids Adderall or Ritalin as a weight loss additive and also to help them clean up the house real quick for the holidays. Uh, We see young girls misusing their ADD medication as a way to lose weight and we see Uh, women not only starting smoking as a way to not gain weight or help them lose weight, but part of their fear of not smoking is that they will gain weight. And we know that that is not a made-up myth. That is actually true, that many people gain around 10 pounds when they stop smoking. So... There's a change in metabolism. There's a number of things that uh, that happen to the body when you stop smoking. Most of them very, very positive, but women are fearful of gaining weight. So there's lots of reasons that we've supposed why women are having a more difficult time. But part of it is also I think we're missing... The idea that, number one, many women use substances, including nicotine, as a way to make an intolerable situation feel tolerable. So they're lonely, they're bored, they're depressed, they're anxious, and their use of nicotine can help modulate their mood, just as alcohol or other substances can help modulate their mood. But it's even more basic than that reason, and it has to do with their menstrual cycles. So women have two phases, well, actually three of their menstrual cycles. So we count day one of a menstrual cycle the first day that they have flow. Then usually 14 days later, the hormones, both estrogen and progesterone, take a a quick and dramatic rise, and that's resulting in ovulation. And then the second half from that midpoint of their cycle until they begin their um, menses again, that is called the luteal phase. 
And this is the um, the time when women have a lot of trouble, not just with nicotine, but with other substances. When they have this high level of estrogen and progesterone, they are more likely to crave, um, whether it's chocolate, whether it's nicotine, whether it's alcohol, heroin, their cravings are more intense with the effect of these hormones on their system. And they're more likely to have more severe withdrawal symptoms. So they will ha- they will have more restlessness, more difficulty sleeping, more agitation, irritability. They'll have more cravings. It will be more difficult for them during this particular phase of their cycle as opposed to the first two weeks. So one of the one of the reasons is actually biological. Now men have pretty much the same hormone levels every day. Um, they don't have giant fluctuations in their main sex hormones as do women. Women have pretty dramatic um, ranges in their hormones, and this effect can create a very difficult time for them to go through withdrawal, um, to have cravings, even if they're now in recovery and they're not using a substance or they're not smoking, they're going to crave more during that particular time of their period. So it's really important that as we think about strategies to help women, first of all, if at all possible, uh, let's don't try and get you to detox during that particular phase of your menstrual cycle. Number one. And number two, let's really help as we're thinking about relapse prevention strategies, look at where you are in your menstrual cycle. So that, that, the, you, that was two weeks? Mm-hmm. That that particular portion of the cycle more difficult. The last three or four days, the worst. Okay. What is what's actually going on during that portion of the cycle? Is that when they're much more likely to conceive? Is that when they're much more like? Is that when they're? No, that's actually the likely time to conceive is in ovulation at day fourteen or fifteen. Okay. That's when the um, the the follicle has. Um, ruptured and the ovum, the egg, has been released into the fallopian tube. So that's when fertilization happens, if it's going to happen. Um, and then the hormones switch, and we see this elevation in progesterone, which creates the growing and developing of the uterus lining. So the uterus becomes more vascularized. There's more tissue there. To provide, hopefully, a nice little home for this fertilized egg to live. A little nest. A little nest, so to speak. If the egg is not fertilized, then the the woman will have her period. But the highest rates of those um, (laughs) hormones, particularly progesterone, rise right before, and if the right before the menses, right before the flow starts, they get this spike of progesterone that would carry you, start to carry you through a pregnancy. But if the egg hasn't been fertilized, then there's a giant drop in estrogen and progesterone. And it's during those wide fluctuations in hormones 
that create a lot of the difficulty. That's where premenstrual dysphoric disorder or PMS, um, as it's more commonly known, those are the days that we have to worry about. So it's a physiological problem. They tend to retain fluid. They feel more bloated. They feel more depressed. They're more lethargic. There's, um, they're much more likely to have migraine headaches during this period of time. But it's real. It's real. Oh, absolutely. It's real. It's not just feeling like you are. It's <laughs> you, you, you are. are. You are. You are. And because of this, um, it's really something to help highlight. And sometimes just alerting the woman to let's track your sure. period mm-hmm. and let's be gentle during those few days can really help them manage cravings and withdrawal symptoms. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the CDC report. Oh, we're not breaking. Never mind. We're going to keep talking. I mean, I think that that is so curious in in terms of the recovery process, not only in in trying to help them pick the best time that they're going to be most successful at at stopping, but also helping them recognize that they are going to have some very, very natural reasons for cravings during this time period, and they have to find some healthy things to replace those cravings with. But I I have to jump in right here and say that that's good, but how many times have we talked to somebody where we've even tried to help them understand that that doing your detox on on Wednesday and getting out on Friday or Saturday is a really bad idea. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or how many times have we tried to talk to someone and say, you know, let's let's plan this a little carefully. Let's let's have you continue on with what you're doing and then start pro, uh, start your program on a Monday. On a Monday. <laughs> right. Um, I'm I'm doing air quotes, but that's very unlikely. It's very unlikely, but I think it's important to know. It's important for the treatment team to know that. Absolutely. It's important for the individual and their family to know that and to do the best we can to help somebody get through that period of time because you're right. Real life raises its ugly head and people have to do what they have to do when they can, but this is not necessarily the ideal time but it is your time so we're going to do and it will be to be able to phrase it to them that this will be the time that you will have the most likelihood of success Mm -hmm. to do it during this time period Um, as opposed to like what you're talking about is is trying to stop them when their addiction is saying I want out of here because we know they want to use we're talking to somebody who really wants to be successful, but they haven't been yet. Right. right. Which we do actually see quite a lot of. We, we, True. We really do. So sometimes if we can be aware of these kinds of physiological changes that we, we need to help people with. And we do that all the time. We talk about hormones all the time. Absolutely. And we talk about metabolic changes and we talk about um, safe, healthy lifestyle uh, how to reduce their stress, how to reduce cortisol. So there's lots of things and ways we can intervene. We just need to remember that one piece for women of childbearing age. It's a rough time. Mm-hmm. So there was also a really good study about hookahs. Speaking of kids and tobacco, 
So are hookahs safer than cigarettes? Well, it's all the rage for a lot of high school students, but more likely college students that are using hookahs. And um, the short answer is hookahs or water pipes are not safer. In fact, they're much more dangerous, um, and they deliver many more toxic chemicals to the lungs and the brain and the body than do regular tobacco products. And now we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll look at the CDC study and guidelines, and then we're going to talk about triggers for the holidays. So please stay tuned. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business practices, and fascinating business professionals to get an insider view of how America works. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and this is America's Web Radio. Today, I have with me David Donaldson and Michael Daly from the Atlanta Healing Center, and we've been doing a little year-in wrap-up, and we're talking about... Um, so we had we had just started talking about hookahs really quickly. Correct. Um, and, and we're moving on through that because there's so much that has happened this year. But hookahs have become incredibly popular. Yes. And and they're not safer in the sense that you're getting a lot more um, other particles and other things into your brain and into your lungs. Um, but the other thing is that people are smoking a lot of different products in there besides just nicotine, that it is another way that people are smoking um, 
marijuana, mm-hmm. but they're also smoking other herbs and things that that um, <coughs> are creating. are more toxic to the system than nicotine, which right. is is interesting. They're going in there there for this relaxing experience and really getting exposed to a lot of toxins. So if you'd like more information about hookahs, please go to the CDC website, cdc.gov, and they have a whole section on hookahs and some of the dangers there. And speaking of the CDC, we've been teasing this throughout the the show today, but did want to give the latest CDC um, alert on the e-cigarette vaping-associated lung um, injury, also called Evali. So these Evali patients, we now know that there are 152 different marijuana or THC-containing products that have been reported by these patients. Dank, D-A-N-K, vapes is a, a product that's largely um, counterfeit THC products. Unknown origin was the most commonly reported po- product associated with these lung injuries and deaths. We now know that... Um, we have over 4,800, I believe, um, uh, associated um, incidents. We have 2,409 hospitalizations, and we have 52 deaths confirmed in 26 states. So while it does appear that the uh, highest numbers are are coming down and that we're not seeing as many reported cases, still be very, very careful. Avoid any counterfeit vaping products. Certainly do not vape marijuana. And the CDC recommends that you just not use vaping products, period. So we'll continue to keep you updated on the vaping emergency and make sure that everyone is aware of where we are with the Ivali patients. So a couple of really interesting articles um, that popped up. And... Um, we were looking at these initially thinking about going into the next two holiday weekends with Christmas and with New Year's coming up. The the Christmas first Hanukkah. One and Hanukkah, Christmas and Hanukkah and New Year's coming. Um, the first one was the dangers of that, that myth that alcohol cooks out of food. Because right. you always hear people talking as they're getting ready to go to these family gatherings or these nice fancy restaurants. If it's cooked with this, it's all cooked out, so it's going to be safe, right? Well, it was interesting. Actually, one of our former patients sent us an article um, related to the myth about alcohol cooking out of it. And this this group, the school, did some research where they tested various alcohols and various cooking methods. And what they found was um, that, th- for the most part, alcohol does not cook out of food. Um if you actually cook it like in a stew for three hours, then it gets down to 5%. But every other cooking method, it is still at really high percentage numbers. Do you have the percents right there? I do. And one of the interesting things is when something is flambéed, so they actually, many desserts are... L- 
have an, uh, yeah. a liqueur poured over them and they're lit on fire. So everyone thinks, oh my gosh, that surely burned off all the alcohol. That's saw burning. It burn. Look at it. I saw it burn. Well, guess what? Um, 70 to 75% of the alcohol contents remain, even though it's been set on fire. So. Um, if you have alcohol mixed in as an ingredient in some sort of dish, in a, in a soup or a sauce or a stew or a, a dessert, uh, if you cook it for 15 minutes, 40% remains. After 30 minutes, 35% of the alcohol remains. And only after two and a half hours, we get down to the 5%. So for most of us, it doesn't matter if it's 10% or 5% or even 30%. But if you are in recovery or if you are serving this dish to children or pregnant women or people who may be taking medications that should not be um, exposed to alcohol, you may have a real problem. And it's at this time of year that many desserts and many dinners and um, fancy places that you might go may be adding alcohol. And unless they're cooking the heck out of it for more which than th- most are which not. most are not um, for more than three hours, you have a fairly significant amount of alcohol. Now, if it's a teaspoon of vanilla that's put in a, a a cake that's baked for an hour, well, the overall percentage of alcohol that you're going to get in your one little piece is probably not huge, but it's still there. So something to really think about. I um, I remember working with a lady one time who was on Anabuse, which is a medication that when it meets alcohol in your system, it has an aversion reaction. You get sick. Violently sick. Violently sick. And this, this woman had come in after being at a holiday function, and she had had brownies, I believe, that had alcohol cooked in it. Um, With the assumption that it cooks out, she thought she would be fine. And unfortunately, she had not been on antabuse all that long, or she would have been much sicker. But she had a she had, was bright red and her skin was itching and she was in a real panic place because mm-hmm. even that little amount that was in a in a whole pan of brownies triggered was triggering a reaction right so people on an abuse or people on a uh, a particular antibiotic called Flagyl. Uh, it has an anti-abuse reaction. So they can be taking this antibiotic and have no idea. Uh, and most of us pay no attention to the little sticker on our medicine bottles that says, do not use with alcohol. So be very careful. Alcohol is alive and well in most of the foods it's been added to. And that myth that, oh, if you cook it, it it's, it's all gone. Not, not true. But another interesting article was regarding the sober curious and this new um, social ex- experience of going to a 
a bar, a restaurant, a party, some sort of social gathering for the sober curious, people who either don't drink or who are choosing to just experience what not drinking is all about. And the very interesting drinks that are being made for them, the mocktails, to provide them a safe, sober social experience with some interesting and creative chefs and bartenders making some interesting cocktails, mocktails. Mm -hmm. And so what was interesting is that not only are there now places that are opening up as as sober bars alcohol sober free clubs, or clubs where they're actually making um, serving lots of different mocktails um, with with ginseng and other really healthy herbs that, and flavors and lemon and making it so it's a really delicious Attractive. drink mm-hmm. and not just having water or something, um, but also making it socially trendy. But there's also people going onto the Meetup website and actually finding groups of sober, curious people to go mm-hmm. hang out and do activities as as sober adults. That used to be just getting with your religious affiliation and going to one of their clubs, I thought. It was, back before wine took over. <laughs> But now if you're sober curious, you can go on meetup.com and you can look for hashtags like sober movement, sober living, sober curious, and they will have um, links to social activities. Uh, There are some that actually are here in Atlanta. And three years ago, there's a group that started in New York City called Club Soda. Club Soda NYC, and um, they've been finding that this has been a a trend for people um, very interested in not just folks who are sober, but folks who've never drank, Mm -hmm. or folks who are saying, I need to take a break from this. Mm -hmm. This is messing with my health. This is messing with my brain, and I'd just like to have an experience that I remember. Well, and and that's one of the things that we talk to folks about when they first get into recovery or first start being sober is that you have to find activities and organizations where you can meet people that are of the same mindset. Mm-hmm. And so this is just a, an extension of that. And I think it's great. It's it's something that, um, you know, wasn't really available when I first got sober. Yeah, it's a pretty new trend. So here in Atlanta, there's um, a um, a sober s- social called the Punch Bowl. Punch Bowl Social in Atlanta, and they feature drinks like a chef's cup, which is made with muddled cucumber, lemon, house-made car- cardamom syrup, uh, currants, and sparkling water. So these chefs and, like I say, bartenders are creating these um, special wow. drinks, special mocktails. Um, well, and what's been been nice for a lot of our, our patients when they have gone out to nice restaurants with their spouses um, and instead of going through the awkwardness of, of I don't drink, they're able to, they have a, a mocktail menu with lots of very nice looking drinks like the one you were just talking about that they can order and, and try. Um, where they don't have to say, I, I don't drink, I'm an alcoholic, and they don't have to do any revealing. They can just order something new and fun to, to experience. Well, I think, and I don't know if this is a place to do this or not, but 
you have a nephew that's got a distillery that they're expel- experimenting with um, alcohol-free gin. So you get the flavoring of the gin and the um, juniper and, and the whole thing, but there's no alcohol in it. So I think that hopefully this is a growing trend that people will um, think about. Um, think about at your holiday gatherings that you might want to look up some of these mocktail recipes and offer a sober, um, safe alternative. So we wish you all a wonderful end of your 2019, and we look forward to seeing you in 2020. Thanks for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.